This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, today, you see we're having a special service, and most of you know what's going on. But uh, it's been my heart for years to do something like this on a Sunday morning. We've had a few... A few things like this in different places, different venues since we've been in California. But I want to do this on a Sunday morning so the whole congregation could be here. And to be able to honor the people that work in the ministry because you see us right now at a prominent place. We're up here talking to you from here. But if we didn't have you out there to do all you do, we could never do what we do here. We have different ones that you take care of the children, take care of the facilities, take care of so many things that I can't even mention on Mrs. Pastor Will. So I want to get—I don't want to get into her time, but anyway, uh, a couple of verses I want to give you before I turn it over. In Genesis two eighteen, at the beginning of the of the family of God on earth, here's what God said concerning Adam and Eve: "Said that the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I'll make it a helpmeet for him." God made the wife to be the helpmeet for the husband. In the Hebrew, what that means, someone comparable to. Someone to help carry out the plan. And God gave me this beautiful lady right here. Thanks, Pam. <laughs> to help me carry out the plan of God for my life, for our family, all that we've done. And I want to give you another verse. In 1 Corinthians twelve eighteen, she may talk about that today, may not, but she's talking about some verses like it. It talks about the family of God being like your physical body. Right now, my whole body's standing here, but I do some talking with my hands when I'm talking. That's part of me. My mouth doesn't speak. My ears hear. My eyes see. My feet carry me. My heart beats to put blood through my body. I need every part of my body to do what I'm doing. Well, First Corinthians twelve eighteen says he sets each member in the body as it pleases him. In this church here, we have a head usher named Robert. We have a we have a praise worship leader named Joshua. We have nursery people. We have lots of people that God put here. But God put her here to help me do what God put in my heart to do for this church here. And so this vision to honor people on a Sunday morning to have a, have a banquet together has been my heart. But I don't function that way to put it together. I see it with my eyes, my spiritual eyes. But my makeup doesn't make things like this happen. She makes it happen. And so I turned this over to her. She put all this together. Everything you see, of course, people helped her. But Mrs. Pastor is over Ministry of Helps. She's the one that oversees every department. Everything goes on. Of course, I oversee the church. She oversees it all. She's the one that's written all the manuals, materials you see, all the, all the, all the guidelines and books and things that's all the departments have things to follow. She put that all together. And, of course, that makes me look good because everybody thinks I did it. And whatever the church... No, I'm serious. Whenever I see people in town, ministers, other people like that, say, boy, that was awesome what your church did. I have to stop and think what it was. We say, th- say, thank you, Pastor, for doing that. I think, what did I do? Well, you did it. I preach it, and you do it. But God gets the glory for it. And so that's what we're talking about. So anyway, she written all those things. And so... Today, she has a short message, 
did a lot of blessing. We're going to bestow upon a lot of people. But let's give Mrs. Pastor a hand. She's the one that causes this to work. Thank you, Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Don't forget Joy. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Hallelujah. I'm glad you're all here. You may want to turn your chairs around so you don't go home with a kink in your neck and us have to uh, pray for you after the service. So if you need to turn your chairs around, nobody minds. We want you to be able to be comfortable, okay? That's the name of the game. Did anybody not get uh, an outline today? If you did not get an outline, raise your hands, and the ushers will bring them to you. Raise your hands real high. Real, real high, because they're running out in the entryway and getting them. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Keep your hands up. Here they come. Run, 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 guys. Run, run, run. Okay. Keep them up. All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Okay, cool deal. Well, I'm going to open up with prayer this morning, and uh, the message will not be really long today because we have a lot of awards that we're going to give out. But what I do have to say is power-packed, amen? So you need to really listen up, and we're so glad that the children are with us this morning. Welcome, children. We're glad you're in the service with us today. We love children. That's the name of the game is the kids, amen? Hallelujah. Well, Father, we come before you this morning in Jesus' name, Lord, and we lift up this special service to you today, Father. And, Lord, we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name for all the awesome people that you've given to us here at High Desert Word Center. We thank you, Lord, for all these people who have helped us to accomplish your will in this region, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're giving us eyes to see today, ears to hear, and a heart to understand what the Spirit has to say to the churches today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Okay, I need that. Do you have that up there? The top of this. That. See that horrible picture? That's actually a picture from World War I, World War II, one of those pictures. Well, when Pastor and I first came here in August of 2005, the Holy Ghost showed me in the spirit that that's what High Desert Word Center looked like. It didn't look like that on the outside. It looks just like it does on the outside. Susan's shaking her head. She was here then. This church was a disaster. There were people hurt all over the place. People that... We're horribly miserable. I don't know how else to say it. In the spirit realm, there were people bleeding all over the place because they were so hurt. And Pastor and I came, you know, we're, you know, we come from big families. We have a big family. And all we know how to do is just love you folks. Love you and teach you the word. And so, little by little, you know, we, we began loving the sheep and, and if you know any, you know, how many of you like animals? You know, you know animals. Well, if an animal has been beaten, they, they, they shy away from you when you get close to them. And so we would do things like, uh, you know, go to somebody's soccer game. And the people, the parents would just about cry because we had taken time out of our life to go pay attention to them and their children. And they said, why are you doing this? And I'm going to tell on Cindy Grove. <laughs> she didn't like this, but I'm going to tell her name. She used to come in late, and she'd leave early, 
And there was a prayer meeting we had on. It was either Tuesday nights or Thursday nights. And she would come. We didn't know who Cindy was. She would come in and uh, pastor would say, who's that woman that comes in late and leaves early? Well, we found out years later. Cindy Grow. She's still here. She was here then. We found out later that she had never seen a church where people were so mistreated and so hurt. And she loved Jesus, and she wanted to be at church, but she didn't want to be beat up. And so, you know, that's nothing bad to say. Nobody's here that's going to jump on you, because it's just the truth. And so when we came here, that's what it looked like in the spirit to Jesus. The only thing that was left out of this mess was a foundation. A concrete foundation, a concrete floor was the only thing that was left. But that was okay, because that foundation was Jesus. Jesus was in the bottom of all that rubble. He was there. And it could be built upon again. That foundation, that bare foundation of Jesus could be built upon again. And it could become a healthy and a whole church again. Look at all you people. You're healthy. You're whole. You're here. This church is a healthy, whole church. We love one another. Another thing that used to happen here, we used to say to people that have been here, this church is old. It's almost 50 years old, whether you knew it or not. Been around for a long time. And we would talk to people that have been here for 28 years, and we would say, what is that person's name over there? I don't know. I've seen them all this year, but I don't know their name. And I thought, you mean to tell me you don't know their name and you come to church every single week and you don't know who these people are? You know, that's pathetic. You know, so we didn't want a church that way. We wanted a church, number one, where people loved Jesus, loved one another, cared about one another, where we could take this word of faith that we know and just dump it into you guys week after week after week after week so that you could become victorious Christian people. And so that's what we've done all this time. Hallelujah. So I am excited about that. I love Ministry of Helps. The reason uh, I can write all these manuals that uh, I have written all over these years is because, not because I just sat there and didn't do it, it's because I've worked in all these areas. You know, I, I, when we were, before we were even pastors, we went to a 500-member word church in Indianapolis, and I was a nursery director. Can you imagine how many babies there were in a 500-member church? You know, and we were we were ushers, we were greeters, you name it, we did it. That's how come I know how to write all these manuals. <laughs> you know, so you know you gotta you gotta have the experience before you can able you're able to reach out and you can minister to others in that area. So um, most people do not realize the work that goes on in the local church. Many people come in on Sunday and everything's all set up. See, this was all set up. Everything's done. Everything's ready. And they never think of all the faces that are behind all the work that went in to doing everything that's done all the time. And they do all this work in preparation for you to arrive. So that when you walk through the door, you think, this is a well-oiled machine. Everything's done. Everything's in place. Everything's done with excellence. But you don't, many of you don't realize the work that it takes to do all this. Amen. Are you giving me a, a signal, Walter? What? Oh, <laughs> you're talking to I, okay. I, I'm getting signals back there like, do you want me to shut up, Walter? What's the story? You know, that's my signal for pastor. Cut it off, you know, shorten it up a little. <laughs> okay, that's okay. 
Hallelujah. And many people who come to church on Sundays think that the pastor works one hour a week. That he comes in on Sunday morning and delivers a message and he goes home and he just plays games the rest of the week. Well, that's not the way it is. Um, <laughs> if you want to follow us around sometime, you probably get tired because we work hard all the time. Uh, but the pastor alone cannot do what God has called him to do or to bring to fruition the vision that God has given to him without the ministry of helps. Close beside him doing the work. Say work. How do you spell work? W-O-R-K. Well, that's the same way how you spell ministry. You may, you may think that ministry is spelled M-I-N-I-S-T-R-Y, but it's actually spelled W-O-R-K. Ephesians 4.12 calls ministry work, and it is work. And for all of you who step up to the plate, you know how much work it is. Amen. Jesus is our example, right? Jesus is always ministering. He was always tending to the people. First of all, he was teaching, he was preaching, he was healing, and then he was tending to the people's natural needs. For example, when he fed the 5,000 men. Not to mention the women and all the children that they had. Keeping in mind, they didn't have birth control back then. So everybody probably had at least 25 kids. You know, slight exaggeration. But, you know what I mean? It was more than just 5,000. It was 5,000 men. But they're married. They have children. So it was a lot of people that he tended to their natural needs. So the ministry of helps is what makes the pastor's vision go and grow. I think when we came here in 2005, there were 60 people here, plus the big bills of this huge, enormous place. And I tell you what, Jesus saw us through that because I have no idea how. Well, we went without a lot of paychecks. I guess that's how we made it. We would pay the bills and not pay us because this place is enormous. The bills were huge. 60 people here. Most of them were not tithers. They didn't tithe. So it was God that brought us through just even to this point today that the, we still have a roof over our head. Hey, that's cool. We still have the 13 acre and a half acres that we've got. That's cool. You know, we didn't lose a bit of it. All that we lost, and it wasn't really a loss, was the people who didn't want to jump in and do what God wanted to do in this region. And you know what he did? He replaced them with all of you. And you guys are far better. Amen. You're awesome. We really love, yeah, give yourselves a hand clap. Amen. Okay, I want to go over with you the, the, uh, the guidelines for the Ministry of Helps. Um, we're, we're pretty particular here. You think, well, well, golly, you need help, so why are you so particular? We're particular because we want things done in excellence. Amen. We serve the King of Kings and we serve the Lord of Lords, and we want things done His way, absolutely His way. Think about this. Jesus died on a cross for you. He did a good job of it, right? He did it excellently. And who are we not to serve God back and do things excellently for him? Amen. Hallelujah. So number one is you must be born again. It would be horrible to, have to, to be high desert word center of the Christian church, the word church of this, this region where um, people aren't born again. You know, there's churches nowadays where you've got all kinds of religions mixed in together. 
And uh, they don't know beans about anything. They don't have a clue what they believe or why they believe it or, or any of the above. But when, if you work in this church, you have to be a born-again Christian. It helps if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. But, you know, some people come in. They're not baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's okay. You know, after you hang around the slippery creek bed for a while, you end up falling in. And you end up getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. And your life will never be the same. And you'll be awesomely blessed. Amen. Okay, the second thing is you must have completed membership classes or signed up to attend the next series of membership classes. We have those about quarterly. The reason for this is simple. You need to know what we believe. You need to know what comes forth from this pulpit. You need to know that we're a spirit-filled church, that we're a word church. You need to know that we believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. You need to know that um, we don't like abortion. We like life. You need to know all that stuff. You need to know about the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. You need to know about all kinds of stuff. Well, how can you hook up with a, with, a, with a body of believers if you don't know what we believe? And if it lines up with what you believe. And so that's why you have to have be members of that, of the High Desert Word Center, go through those classes. You cannot be a user of alcohol, tobacco, or drugs. Now, some people, when they get born again, they've still got some habits hanging on to them, you know. And God's patient with that. But I can't have a greeter who smells like, uh, you know... Like a, like a chimney. You know what I'm saying? I can't, I can't have somebody out there greeting that, uh, you know, you know, smoking's not going to send you to hell, but it, you'll just smell like you've been there. You know what I mean? So I can't have anybody out there doing that. But God will deliver you from that. He will deliver you from drugs. He will deliver you from pornography. He will deliver you from alcohol. God is the big time deliverer and he will deliver you. Amen. So that's good on that. You must tithe and give faithfully and consistently to High Desert Word Center. Why? Because God said so, number one. You know, it's finances, Christianity 101, you know, Malachi chapter 3, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And he tells you why. That there can be meat in my house, there can be electricity, so there can be, you know, the mortgage paid, the la, 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 la. You know, if you, if you can't trust God with your finances... He ain't going to trust you with his anointing. Think about that. Think about that. His anointing is very, very valuable. If you can't trust Jesus with your money, he's not going to trust you with his anointing to do the areas that you need to do. In order to be in the ministry of help, you have to be loyal and faithful to the pastors, to the leadership here, and to the congregation at High Desert Word Center. You've got to know that this place is your place. This is my church. Say, my church. Okay. We know when people have come to the realization that they take ownership of High Desert Word Center when they stop calling it our church. We go to, well, they'll say, we go to your church, or this is, you know, they'll say, our, my, meaning us, you know, not theirs. They haven't claimed it. But when they say, my church is High Desert Word Center, then you know that they have, that they have ownership of High Desert Word Center, and it's their church, and they care about it. And if you said something bad about the pastors, they might take you out back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They'll pray for you real good, right? Or one of the leaders or one of the congregation members. You know, they, we've got each other's back. Amen. Um, now, this is something that I wanna, I'm going to do a little admonishing on. If you're going to be in any areas of ministry helps, you must attend at least one other service per week other than the one you're serving in. Currently, there are three services a week to choose from. You don't show up because your name's on the Mystery of Health schedule 
and serve one day and I don't see you for the next however many services there are in a month. 12, 13, 14, however many services there are in a month. Why is that? It's because you need to be strong. If you're not in this, if you're not in church, if you're not in these services, you're not strong, you're weak. You're not a strong believer because you're not getting the word you're weak. You're probably backsliding. So we don't need you showing up to serve in your one thing that you're, that you're on this ministry help schedule for just to do your thing and then us not see you for the rest of the month. So I challenge you today, if that's been your habit recently, um, you need to make two choices. You need to decide that I'm going to step up my game, that I'm going to come to two services per week, the one I serve in and another one that I can sit in, or I'm going to tell Mrs. Pastor, Mrs. Pastor, I can't do this. I would like to step down. And then we'll fill your place with somebody who really is chomping at the bit to want to do what, you, what you're doing. Amen. It's very, very important. It's important that we all be, you know, you're ministering to people. Most of you are. When you're greeting at the door, when you're, when you're working the info booth, when you're an usher, you're ministering to people. When you're working the children's ministry, when you're working the nurseries, you're ministering to people. And if you're weak, you can't help them one bit. What if they come in, man, they're all torn up that day. What if they come in and they're thinking about committing suicide because they were all torn up that day? But you can't help them because you're too weak. You haven't been here all month. See what I'm saying? We need strong people that are dedicated to Jesus and dedicated to doing what they need to do at this church if this is what they're called to do. Amen. Now, a dress code applies for some positions. I remember when we first came here, good Lord, not only did everything look like that, but the Ministry of Helps was in shambles. The ushers would show up in sweats. I was not used to that. It freaked me out. I thought, I can't handle this. So I didn't handle it long. I said, uh, we're going to have, we got a dress code now, and the dress code is black slacks, burgundy shirts, ties. I also brought jackets with me. I had ushers' jackets. You know, they were burgundy and they were navy blue. But, you know, it's the desert, so, you know, I gave in a little bit. But they're not coming in here wearing sweats. Correct? Amen. Now, don't they look handsome? Look at those guys. You can sit down if you want to. You don't have to stand there. You can sit down. Okay, they want to stand up. Okay, that's good for them. Okay, and then for uh, police checks are required for all positions involving children and youth. Now, you know why we do that? We don't want any pedophiles in the nursery. We don't want any pedophiles in the children's ministry. We don't want any pedophiles dealing with youth. And that's why we do police checks. Because we try to weed them out from the get-go. Because we want every single child that comes into this place being safe in the ministries that we have for them. So I'm going to ask you a question. What is your attitude about God's house? You know, only you, can, only you can answer what your attitude is. I have no idea what your attitude is about God's house. You're here today. That's really good. But, you know, what is your attitude about God's house? Um, Psalms 84.10 in the New Living Translation. I don't, do they have that on the overhead? They do not. They have that. Okay, Psalms 84.10 in the New Living Translation says this. It says, a single day 
a single day, one day, one day, say one day, one day is better than a thousand. One day in your courts, that's the church, is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper or a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to live the good life in the homes of the wicked. I would rather stand at the door on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, Sunday nights, and open the door and let people come in than to live out there in the world. What is your attitude about God's house? You know, I've got news for you. You know, man didn't didn't come up with the idea about church. God did. This is his deal. It's his plan for believers to come to church, to be at church, to grow, to flourish and stuff. And I'm not really teaching on that today. But if you don't understand that, uh, look at Ephesians chapter 4 and it tells you why the church, who God put in the church, what's the reason for you being in a church and things like that. So I would rather spend one day of my life in the house of the Lord than anywhere else. Amen. I love that. I love God's house. In Hebrews 6:10, the New, New Living Translation, it's, it says, "For God is not unfair." How many of you know God's not an unfair God? He's a fair God. He will not forget how hard you have worked for Him, and how you have shown your love to Him by caring for other Christians, as you still do. So when you're coming in here, uh, you know, when, and you're, you know, every Sunday morning, actually, you know, even if you're not on the work schedule that day, you've got a job to do. You know what that job is? It's loving the other people that come in here. And I will tell you of a surety. I mean, I can look across here right now and I can tell you who's not here. I can do that in about 15 seconds. I always know who's here and who's not here. Maybe it's my position as pastor that I know who's here and who's not here. But it's our job individually to love on other people that walk in this door. I'm going to step on your toes again. I have band-aids if you need them. When we have meet and greet time, it's not for you to sit in your chair and do nothing. Meet and greet time is for you to get up and walk around and give somebody else a hug. Because you may not need a hug today, but by golly, somebody else does. Somebody else needs to know your name so you're not sitting in here for 28 years and you don't know the, sister, the name of Sister So-and-So sitting over there in the corner. You need to know who we are. We need to know who you are. You know? Hey, you know what? I'm the oldest one in this church next to Janet Wentz. Who's, we're going to pass out a card for her today. She's in her 70s, I think, and I'm 69. If I can get up and walk around here and shake your hand and love you and hug your neck, You can do the same thing, amen, because I'm older than you and you're not this old, okay? And I'm not confessing that I'm old either, by the way. I'm just saying, you know, you need to get up out of that chair and walk around and shake people's hands and hug them and say, my name is so-and-so. I'm so glad you're here today. What is your name? You need to, it's not difficult to learn 150 some odd names. It's not hard. You know, it's really not that hard. Um... So back again to Hebrews 6.10, it says he's not going to forget how hard we have worked for him and how we have shown our love to him by caring for other Christians. Amen. At the same time, in Ephesians 2.8 and 9 in the King James, it says, For by grace were you saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ unto good works, which God has before ordained, that we should walk in him. So I wanted to put that scripture in there because I want you to know that you're not getting to heaven because you're working for God. No, you work for God because you've received Jesus into your heart and you are going to heaven. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you cannot get those two mixed up. You know, I, I grew up in a, you know, I told you this hundred times. My dad was in the army and we moved every three years. And so we always had a different church. Sometimes it was a Baptist church. The last one uh, we had, he took us to a Methodist church. So um, he took us to this Methodist church. And all those years growing up, I actually thought that if I was just good enough, I could get to heaven someday. That was my mindset. If I could just bake the neighbors enough pies, if I could just shovel up, shovel snow off of enough driveways, if I could just mow enough, you know, grass, if I could just, you know, maybe someday I'd be good enough to get to heaven. And then some little old Baptist, Baptist pastor came to my house one day and he said, look, it's a gift of God. You just receive it. You don't earn it. And so, I mean, man, talk about, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, did that take a, sh- a load off of my mind, you know. I thought, hallelujah. But, you know, so we don't work to get to heaven. We work because heaven is in us. Okay, you got that? All right. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm not the type of person whose first love language is encouraging words. You know, how many of you ever had, had the love language test? Maybe not, some of you haven't. Well, you'll get it once. You'll get it around here sometime. It tells you what makes you tick. You know, what, what makes you tick? Some people, uh, their first thing, there's five or six of them. The, the one, one thing that makes them tick is they like for people to give them encouraging words. Man, you did a good job today. You, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da. And there's different other ones. I'm not teaching on that today, but you'll get it, you know, around your someday. But my attitude has always been, I don't care if you ever tell me I'm doing a good job as long as Jesus is happy with me. You know, now some people in the natural, they have to hear that. And that's fine. You know, we help them and pat them on the back and stuff. But I don't care. But, but I like Galatians 1.10 in the New Living. It says, obviously, I am not trying to be a people pleaser. I mean, you can take that when I preach. Because I just tell you like it is. Right, Dylan? Dylan's always saying, I need, I need Band-Aids when you preach, Mrs. Pastor. <laughs> he always tells me that. But I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. I don't, I don't go for that. I like telling you the, like it is. Amen? So you can do something with it. It says, no, I'm trying to please God. If I were still trying to please these people, I would not be Christ's servant. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not politically correct in the uh, spiritual realm. Okay? I just say what God says. Amen? I also like uh, Colossians 3, verses 23 through 24 in the New Living. Now, this is going to apply to you whether you're working in the church, whether you're working at your job. Okay? It says, work hard and cheerfully in whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. So when you're on that job, when you go out to that base, Ilya, you know, every five days a week when you go out there, you know, you're not working for the United States military or government, whatever. You're working for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because people know you're a Christian. And they'll say, ah, she's slacking off. No, you don't want them ever to say, no, you're slacking off if you're a believer on the job. You gotta, you, people have to say, yes, you're a believer. That girl's a believer. Look how hard she works. Well, the bottom line is she's not working for, no, she's not working for the government. She's working for Jesus. Just so happens the paycheck comes through the government. Amen? All right. It says, as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. The master you are serving is Christ. Now, here's another attitude thing about the local church. Psalms 27, 4 in the King James says this. I love this scripture. 
One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You know, I have no plans at all of next year. I'm not coming to church anymore. I do not have that plan. I do not have that plan. Well, next week I am not going to come to Sunday night. Well, there is no Sunday night this week, but next, you know. I'm not having that plan that I'm cutting back services. I'm not having that plan. Because I love the house of the Lord. I love being here with all you people. I love being in the presence of the Lord during praise and worship. I have no plans to backslide. I refuse to backslide. I refuse not to be in the house of the Lord. I love this scripture. That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Amen. John 12:26 in the King James says this, if any man serve me, Jesus says, let him follow me, that where I am, there shall my servant be. If any man serves me, him will my father honor. Him will my father honor. Matthew 25:21 says this in the King James His Lord said to him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. That's what we want God to say about us, right? We want him to say that about us. And then uh, I want to show you this. Ephesians 4, verses 16 in the King James says this. For whom the whole body, we're the body of Christ, right? Fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. You're all a joint. You're all a you're all a finger, a toe. You're a you know a joint joint. You're something that makes things work. That every joint supplies according to the effectual working, and the measure of every part maketh increase unto the body, the edifying or the building up of itself in love. We want to increase. I've heard some people say, "Oh, I don't want a big church." Well, shame on you. You need to repent. You know why? Because if you don't have more and more people in your church, that means that more and more people are going to hell. So we don't want a little church. We want a big church. With the same love, the same word, and it all depends on all of you. Amen. I want to show you, I'm going to give you a little illustration. Now, you've got to pay attention because if you don't pay attention to this, um, you're going to miss it. It's going to take about two seconds. So all eyes on me. You got that? Okay, so... The Lord's given me this picture almost as, almost as long as he gave me that picture up there. So, well, if I don't fall over my long dress. And my cowgirl birds that you all gave me, see. <laughs> the Lord gave me this vision a long time ago, and I've always wanted to do it and put it over there with the people's names on them. You know, that come here. Now you can look at the, you can you can look at this both ways. You can look at this as as somebody individuals an area of ministry within the church, maybe the nursery whatever. Or you can look at it as a family, as individual like here's the Valdez as a sample, so you know, da 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 and on down the list. This is the church, the body of Christ. This foundation here is Jesus. You see that? Now what happens if the Smith family over here flakes out? A picture's worth a thousand words. 
This happens sometimes on a service morning when all of a sudden I see the uh, children's ministries running around like chickens with their heads cut off because so-and-so didn't call, didn't show up to teach the class that they're on the schedule for. So that means that everything else gets thrown apart and everybody's trying to cover bases right before the service starts. Okay, you can look at it that way. Or you can look at it as people that are believers that refuse to stay in the house of the Lord and serve the the Lord all the days of their life. But they've got one foot in the world and one foot in church. You know, you're not fooling the people that come here, really. Because they say to me, well, where's so-and-so? And I'll say, I don't know, just pray for them. So anyway, this is, did you get the picture? Did you get it? Okay, so I wanted you to get that. Thank you very much. Da-da-da-da. Okay, and I want to tell you a couple more things, and then we're going to hand out awards. So if you do not qualify, Brother Hagen said this to a bunch of ministers one time. I was sitting in a uh, thing he had. If you do not qualify, do you know what you're supposed to do? Get qualified. Say, I will get qualified. I will serve the Lord all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Okay. Um, um, Pastor, if you want to come up here, I just want to give you a little clue. You know, we're believing for a major move of God come across this nation, around this world. Yes. And, and, you know, we're praying about that at Warfare Prayer, and we're doing all kinds of cool stuff. But, and God wants to send those people to High Desert Word Center. But he will not do it if we are not ready. You know, we always tell our staff, we say, look, we've got maybe 150 people here, give or take. Um... We're believing God for 300. And sometimes they'll make a comment to us like, well, you know, there won't be that many people there. And I'll say, look, we're believing for 300. If you act like we're never going to have 300, we're never going to have 300. So we have to join, join hands here and, uh, and make, you know, act like we've got them already. Okay. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.